All right, guys, Rich UX here from richandniche.com, sitting down with Justin Mitchell of Yak, one of my favorite apps. Uh, I've been using Yak for about uh, six to eight months. It's been a game-changing tool for my remote team. I started linking up with some of these leaders at Yak, primarily Justin and Hunter, and I just had to bring them onto the channel today for you guys so that we can get a better sense of where audio is going so we can learn a bit more about what the people who are engineering remote work are doing, because I think that is so critical to upping your game in the next few years is mastering remote and communications primarily. So welcome, Justin, to my YouTube channel and likely podcast. Great to have you here. Yeah, thanks for having me, man. I'm excited to chat today. Awesome. Well, tell me how you see Yak today. I looked up the intro on your LinkedIn, but I want to know what you call it. Say, how do you see Yak situated? Yeah, I bet I'm sure that that intro needs to be updated too. I have no idea what it's even there. My LinkedIn is definitely neglected. Um, you know, Yak for me today is a replacement for meetings. It's a way to have high bandwidth, high resolution, tone rich, emotion rich communication without interrupting somebody with a phone call or scheduling something on a calendar. And, you know, we just wanted a way for our team in particular to actually be able to talk to each other with our voice, the way that we would talk to each other in an office, uh, but without all the rigmarole of having to get on each other's calendars, find time that works for everybody, and then slot out like a 20, 30 minute call for everybody to sit down and do nothing but stare at their screen and focus on that conversation. That's just not a productive use of our time. And so we started doing it asynchronously over recorded Snapchats, actually. And we would like, you know, snap something that we wanted to get feedback on or a design that we'd finished. And we realized that that like back and forth mechanic was a really great way of communicating. And, you know, that's what Yak is today. That's a really good summary. And I'm glad you kind of brought in that snap methodology. So are you saying that you created Yak out of a problem you had as a business owner before you even created Yak? Oh, I mean, I think that's where the best products are created is from an entrepreneur seeing a problem and providing a solution for that. Whether that's something that they identified in the marketplace separate from their own lives, where they saw it kind of from a third party perspective, or I think in our case, which is ultimately the more powerful story, which is seeing it in your own life and experiencing it so that you have that firsthand experience and know how to fix the problem. So yeah, for us, it was you know a team that had worked remote for years that liked each other, wanted to talk throughout the day. Um, most of us are talkers by nature. We communicate best with our with our words and uh, don't like typing constantly throughout the day. And so, yeah, we wanted to solve this problem of uh, communication. And I, I think also particularly in our team, Jordan and Hunter and I have all been working together for like six, seven years now. And, uh, you know, emotions flare sometimes. We get on each other's nerves. We know how to get in, under each other's skin. And typing things out, these long paragraphs of text that are void of emotion and tone is really where you can see some arguments start to flare up that otherwise probably wouldn't flare up if they were said over the phone. And we just couldn't always get on a phone call together. And so, yeah, Yak was definitely solving a first-party problem. Amazing. I can just feel myself sitting at my Slack right now trying to like arrange that next message and yes. like cringing like, oh, I can't say this, but I, I like this person, but man, they're kind of, what are they saying? So I totally hear that. I mean, that is so real. 
And that's unusual, right? Like where the founders can be the leading tool users and get so much value out of that, right? That's such a beautiful thing. I mean, I find that similar in my business, how it's just so integrated and the leadership to the consumer, they care a similar amount about getting this done. I mean, I think what's happening is a desire to solve some of these newer digital platforms that, yeah, we jumped into them fast, the Instagrams, the Snapchats, the Skypes, you know, Zoom, you're jumping into them and, oh, wait a second. There's a bit of a problem here. It's this isn't always the funnest thing. I mean, I was telling people I did over 600 Zoom calls last year and it just totally burnt me out. I mean, how have you found this in terms of Zoom calls? Are you even doing Zoom calls? Do you allow Zoom calls? I mean, (laughs) what's your thought on that right now? Yeah, so we do no synchronous meetings internally at all. So I've eliminated Zoom completely internally. The only thing I do it for is stuff like this, all external communication. Um, And a lot of times I actually, so I had a guy request a meeting the other day and I just said, nope, here's my yak link. I do not have time to do a meeting. I'm doing back-to-back VC calls. You're going to have to yak me. And he was, oh, this is great. We just eliminated a full like 30 minute meeting by just doing it asynchronously. But, you know, there is something to be said about that Zoom fatigue. Like it's a real thing and it's a biological thing because people are not used to staring at like eyes that are virtual instead of physically in front of them. It was like a height differential. There's this uh, girl on Twitter who wrote this entire thing up about how it actually is biologically odd for your brain to Mm. talk to someone that's not in that same 3D space as you. And that's why it's like exhausting after a certain amount of time. So there's that element of um, doing back-to-back Zoom calls all day can literally make you exhausted. But for us, there's a bigger piece, which is kind of looking into the future and saying, what does a team look like in five years? Mm. And you know, COVID obviously accelerated this, but for us, we've always hired internationally, global, um, you know, workforce for us, because that's where I found the best talent at the best price, you know, at the best um, opportunity, these people wanted to work. And so I love hiring globally. And what we found in our own team was, I'm not going to force that person to get up at 2am in the morning to come to our daily standup call because they happen to live in Singapore. Um, likewise, I'm also not going to leave them out of the commu- the conversation as well and just let them have no input just because they happen to live in a different time zone. And so Yak was really this opportunity to say, what do meetings look like when not everyone just happens to live on the same time zone? Uh, and so for us, we're building a tool towards that eventual audience of a team that hires globally, needs everyone to be on the same page, is not going to ask somebody to get up at 2 a.m. in the morning and is simultaneously also not just going to leave them out of the conversation. And so by going fully asynchronous, you're building out a process that's inclusive of everybody in your team. And for us, we really think about you know Yak as zoom for a fully global team what does that look like what do meetings look like when you have to incorporate that into your process wow powerful um two things that came up for me you know in zoom i felt that video was a good idea when it first came out i thought it was cool to see people i thought it made it more engaging but i've actually moved my team and my community away from using video and I say, Hey, there's no pressure to use video anymore because I think that reduces some of the pressure and some of that. And then you were talking about the future of work, which I love. I mean, I built a remote team. My digital agency is a global agency and, and I've recognized some of those things that you've mentioned about the time differences. I like that you said inclusiveness. That's pretty fantastic. Um, let's talk a little bit more about the technical engineering and development of Yak. Let's start with like, you know, well, first of all, you just released Yak 3.0. I, I, 
I'm watching you guys develop rather quickly. Are you a fast, agile development team? Is that how you describe yourself at this time? Yeah, we move really fast. I mean, I definitely take the mantra of kind of like move fast and break things. Um, you know, even higher level than that is just a simple concept of you never learn if you don't ship. Uh, we could build slowly, quietly in the back room as long as we could possibly do it. And as soon as we put it in front of somebody, they have very harsh feedback that just throws all wrench in the entire thing. And I don't want that to happen. I don't want us to just like build in a vacuum and hope and pray that someone likes it. Right. I want to get it in front of as many people as I can so they can say, this button doesn't make sense, or I need this text over here, or I need this to be yellow, not black. And so for us, like building fast gets us that iteration loop that we're so used to coming from kind of our design agency days, but it also allows us to build a product that's built around people and not assumptions. And that's really important to me personally as a founder is, you know, people are going to be using this and it's not just going to be me. And you also, as a maker and a founder and a creator, I think you get a little bit too close to yourself sometimes where you're building and like, you're like, this makes perfect sense. And then you throw it out into the world and nobody knows what you're talking about. And you're like, why it's right there. Can't you see it? And that's just because you've been in that world for so long, you've become blind to what I think would probably be otherwise obvious, but because you're the one building it, you've got those blinders on. And so for me, it's a reality check to build that fast to say, I need to get this in front of somebody as fast as possible so they can reality check me, make sure I don't have those blinders on. So yeah, I mean, we build very quickly. Um, sometimes that results in bugs, but sometimes that also results in us being able to impress with a lot of features. You know, I had someone uh, send me a yak yesterday saying, I'm missing this one specific feature from screen recording. And I said, yeah, that is very valid. I'll actually get that into the update this week, right? And so I'm actually working with our de desktop developer right now on getting a release out today that has that update in it because there's no reason not to do it. It's a good feature idea. It's easy to implement, so we might as well do it. And that's going to make that guy very happy. Like he's going to go, oh, wow, that's, that's some customer service right there. You know, instead of it just going into a black hole of ticketing, you know, I actually responded personally and I said, yep, that's going to go out today. And that's... I guess the experience we want our customers to have, and that's why we build so fast. That's awesome. You know, speaking of moving fast and being agile and, and sort of this mentality, I also see you guys doing a lot on social and it seems to be moving fast there at an early phase of your startup. What is your general strategy about social right now? Which is your favorite platform to promote Yak on? And, you know, maybe talk about some of the different elements that go into that. Yeah. I mean, for us, we always take the mantra of do the unscalable thing. And for us, that's being personally involved in these conversations. Twitter has been huge for us. Um, you know, we raised our entire two rounds off of connections we made on Twitter. You know, I, I'm from Florida. I live in the largest farming area in the East Coast. Um, I don't have connections. I'm not pedigreed. I didn't work at Dropbox, Stripe, or graduate from Stanford. So I didn't have these networked connections ahead of time. We just had to hustle to get them. And, you know, the way that we did it was just being very loud and unashamed of what we were building on. You know, even in our first round uh, or our, our uh, seed round, we were short 50K to close out the round. And there was a guy on Twitter who said, don't you just hate it when a startup says they're oversubscribed and they can't, you know, let you into the round? I replied and I said, we're undersubscribed. We'd love to take your money. And he laughed and he was like, ah, that's funny. You know, good joke. And another guy replied and said, you're undersubscribed. I want in. And that guy closed for 50K inside of 24 hours. So just being very like clear about what we're chasing has meant that investors have seen what we're doing and they respond to that candidness and not that like, I don't know, Valley stealth mode 
bullshit that you do all the time. Ours is very like, this is what we're building. We want you to see what we're doing. And if you have questions, ask them. If you don't like something, tell us. And that candidness has really helped us scale kind of our social media personalities. But what we found is that by personally replying to a yak, personally replying to something on Twitter and making it more about the human element, like our brand account will jump in there and say something. But relatively speaking, the biggest thing that you'll see pass between the co-founders is um, another tweet mentioning the brand so that one of us can reply to it instead of the brand account, because it just comes across differently if a human is the person answering that question and not the brand. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we found that Twitter has been huge for us. Um, you know, the Slack um, backing that we got actually came out of a cold LinkedIn message from just like a random entrepreneur that I happened to answer. So I guess LinkedIn is in there somewhere. Um, but we've really found that Twitter and Product Hunt. Product Hunt is where we started. That's where we launched initially. Have been our biggest kind of drivers to the site, our own social media handles, as well as kind of our story overall. I think it shows like what a depth of background you guys have as a team and that you came into this quite prepared. You got a lot of bases covered. Let's talk about earlier in 2020. I mean, let's talk about March. Let's say, what were you guys mm -hmm. thinking And as Zoom was exploding and people were going remote? Did that change your roadmap? Did you feel different? Were you excited? Were you nervous? I mean, for us, it changed workload. Uh, we were doing a lot of education on remote. Like most of our content marketing was like, here's why you should go remote. And then COVID hit and all of a sudden it was like, okay, here's why you should use Yak. And it was like, finally, we were able to like lean in fully into asynchronous right. communication, audio communication, the product itself, instead of having to start at that like higher level of first communicating, you know, communicating and convincing someone you have to work remote. So it accelerated the timeline a lot of uh, what we had to talk to users about, which was great because it was less work for us in the end. And, you know, I, I think I subscribed around that time as I was doing more remote activities and that prompts sort of a surge of what's out there. Mm -hmm. um, you know, we as a company have utilized it in some unique ways. One of the ways we use it is our community, our inner community has a group inside of Yak Chat. And so we have what's called like a pipeline, as we call it. And it's just questions after questions after questions about things that people are interested in our sort of domain. And I'm primarily the answer of those questions. But what I find unique, and it takes a certain kind of group, but there's extra value in learning passively through other people's questions who are on the same quest as you, because maybe they didn't think to ask that. Maybe they're afraid to ask that. Maybe it just adds a little stimulus there. So that's one of the things I'm really excited about this app. Tell me some of the things that you feel are either under known or some part of the app that people can get really excited about that maybe they're not even thinking about yet. Yeah, this is a great question. Um, so there's a couple things that come to mind. First is what we talk about a lot, which is called the rubber duck debugging. Um, so I don't know if you've heard of this concept before, but it's basically this idea that as a developer or designer, whoever, whenever you get stuck on something and you just can't figure out like how to get over that writer's block, quote unquote, talk to a rubber duck and the rubber duck will solve the problem for you. And what's really happening there is that you're talking to this inanimate object on your desk and you're saying, I don't understand this bug. You know, here's what I've hit. Um, you know, can you help me out? And by verbalizing it out loud, 
you're hearing it kind of from a third party perspective and you're able to hear it differently and it clicks in a different way. And then you typically figure out your own problem. We say the rubber duck solved it for you, but really what it was is that you had verbalized it for the first time and you tried to explain it to someone else. And by explaining it to someone else, you heard it differently because you had to actually kind of dig into the details from a different angle. And we see that a lot with Yak because Yak is asynchronous and you're talking kind of to yourself when you first record that message. I'll get messages all the time from my designer, Heather, and to be like, you know, I'm stuck. I don't know where to put this button. You know, I've tried it a couple of different places and it's not working. And then at the end of the message, she'll go, never mind. I just figured it out. I just needed to talk it out. And that's a really cool concept for a number of reasons. One is you know, that opportunity to not be in front of an audience gives you as an individual an opportunity to think critically about what you're saying and kind of inside of that inclusivity angle as well as people who wouldn't previously have spoken up on a meeting who have some really good thoughts about something or they have an important question that they want to ask because they don't have to perform and create content in front of an audience and they just get to do it by themselves on their own time. All of a sudden that unlocks something in them to say, I'm comfortable doing this. You know, so Reina, one of our other designers who is just typically very shy, just has no problem just sending a barb right across Yak. This is how I feel about this design. I think it's bad and we need to change it when she does it over Yak because she doesn't have to worry about like seeing people's faces and how they react and what they think of her in that moment. And so that solo time is really important for a number of reasons. One is kind of like self-reflection. Two is inclusivity. And three is actually that time to gather your thoughts, think through something critically and not kind of off the cuff, say something that maybe isn't well thought through. And that's something that you really only get in an asynchronous experience. So, you know, when investors or users or whoever are asking us like, well, why are you different than X, Y, Z? That's really one of the main things right there is that ability to reply on your own time. And that factors into things like focus state, your ability to actually crank out two hours of work uninterrupted without a meeting, but also that ability to just wait. Maybe it's only five minutes to reply, but enough time for you to critically think through something before you kind of regurgitate whatever your brain is saying. A lot there. I mean, I think that you really found something special on that introverted nature. I mean, I, it's like pulling teeth, asking for questions on a zoom call sometimes when the group is not super intimate and they're afraid for some reason, you just don't get it. I think it makes a lot, it makes a big impact that people can send it and not send it by listening back first. That gives them mm -hmm. another, it, it's not going to be the fastest when you do it that way, but you get what you really want. And I've certainly had a few times where you're sending it, you're getting so deep. It's kind of interesting. Actually, you can actually cut yourself off and stop because you're like, well, actually, I don't want to say this. And that's kind of something you don't really have in communication as often where you might be two minutes into a message. And then it's like, well, I've thought this out. And you kind of mentioned that in a different way with the development um, so it is opening up a lot of new communication styles. I mean, yeah. how do you advise people to improve their asynchronous communication? What kind of tips can they use? I mean, the biggest one is having a mentality of it can wait. Um, I think that the biggest pushback, um, there's two big pushbacks that I've seen to just Yak's style of working. And I, and I say this to investors all the time when they ask for kind of the intro to the product is I say, you know, Yak is as much software as it is like a method of working. And we are promoting that method of working through an app. But at the end of the day, it's a process, not just an app. 
Um, and part of it is, is twofold. One is, is it can wait mentality and two is also a butts and seat mentality. Um, you know, we see too many startups who think that availability means that green, you know, you, the, that you're working is that green dot on Slack and availability is equal to productivity. And it really should be the other way around. Like you being unavailable and not able to speak in the moment actually should mean that you're being productive, your head's down and you're mm -hmm. focused. And that also factors into the it can wait mentality. This idea of there's nothing that is so critical that you need an answer immediately right now. And if it is that critical, yes, just give them a phone call. Like that technology already exists. We're not replacing the technology. We're replacing the technology you use. Which one are you going to go with? Which method, right? And so really pushing for this concept of it can wait. If you can get your team into this mentality of I'm going to ask a question and it's going to be, you know, I need feedback on this or, hey, what's the update on this? And if you give your team the time they need to reply, whether that is literally their focus and they just don't have time to reply right now, or two, maybe they just don't have the reply yet. They're not ready to send it. They haven't formulated their thoughts yet. It's almost done and it's not ready yet. Um, but that changes the way you work. And that's the biggest factor in async communication, I think, is that like instant gratification fix. There's so many PMs out there and team leads that are like, I have to know right now. And if I don't know right now, nothing will happen, but I feel like something will happen, right? Like they have that that urge to close everything up immediately for, I don't know, maybe it's just like OCD purposes. Like I need to like check my boxes, but in reality, that's not the way that a team actually should be working. You know, you should give your team three hours of uninterrupted communication time, just them heads down doing nothing. No one's bothering them. And tools, unfortunately, I think like Slack are being kind of abused to the degree of like, they allow you to be a good user, but they also allow you to be a bad user. Um, one of my least favorite slash favorite features in Slack is when your do not disturb hours uh, click in and you send a message, it actually says this person is currently in do not disturb mode. And then it gives you an option to send anyway so that you can send the notification through. So it's like informing you, hey, you're about to bother them out of hours of work or they've put themselves on do not disturb because they're trying to focus. Hey, you want to just bypass all of that and send it anyway? Who is not going to take that option, right? Like I do it every time because it's there. And like part of my personality is like asking me, like, get that answer now, right? You need work done now. Um, and training people to like pull out of that and say, nope, I don't, I don't need to push it through right now. So Yak like really forces this style of slower, more methodical communication. And that's the biggest thing that we've found that we have to kind of teach is that that method of working is different than I think the stack of tools that people use today and what they're used to. One of the favorite things about your app is that after I send a voice message, I can see a transcript. After I've received a voice message, I don't even have to listen to it. I can see the written transcript. This is an unusual app idea, in my opinion, to have like these two sort of styles going at once with no sort of, hey, I would like this transcribed. Well, I mean, I think it's a great idea. I love it. Tell me how that got into the app. And was that early on? Did that come out of another reason? You know, it, it wasn't early on, but not from a product perspective. That was more from an engineering perspective. Um, once we added it, it wasn't even on desktop. And we realized how powerful it was on mobile. And we're like, this has to come to the desktop app. You know, 
it's really a reflection of remote work, not a reflection of audio. Um, historical context is super important in remote and being able to add somebody to a group who just got hired and for them to be able to search up logo color and find out like why we made the logo yellow and not purple and be able to find a video of us putting it on the website and realizing that it makes like the font very difficult to read. Oh, so that's why they made that decision, you know, and that, um, you know, that historical context is something that's very difficult with audio. If you just leave it as audio, because then you can't search it, you can't tag it. You can't pull out insights. You can't find it later. It's easy. It's hard to like skim a message and be like, that's the one I want to rewatch. But the transcription gives you that just enough information to say, oh yeah, yeah, that's what that was about. Let me listen to that message again. And, you know, it started out as you only got a preview so that you kind of get this idea of like, is this critical? Is it not critical? And what's it about? And I realized like the preview text was typically always like, hey, so I have a question, <laughs> you know, and it wasn't really useful information. So now we allow you to not only see the whole message, you can copy the transcript, you can even edit the transcript. A lot of times what I'll do is I'll press and hold edit or right click on desktop and I'll delete the entire transcript and I'll just put a note there. And I'll just put like, this was a question about this and just leave that instead of the transcript because it's way easier for me to reference it later. And it means that I can like search on my own terms and not have to remember the exact word that they used, but I can bring that message up later through the search. So transcription was not only a unique feature for a voice app, but it was really, it came out of a unique requirement for how remote works. That's pretty interesting. Now, can I clarify, you can edit other people's transcripts or only the message you send? You can edit any transcript. Is that on your side or will that it's be on, on everybody's side? So play that nice. is a bold feature, in my opinion. I mean, like someone, I mean, I guess because the audio remains, it's not audio as Audio is there as a backup. Yeah, so right. you can always prove someone didn't say something. Interesting. Yeah. Wow. That's actually very unique. You're really sort of calling your shot. You're sort of saying this should be allowed because it's easier, it's better. And yeah. that is not intuitive. I would never have thought to do that yet. I didn't even realize you could edit the transcript yet. I haven't seen that feature. The newer yet. feature for sure. Yeah. That's interesting though, especially with how we use it because we have all these Q and A's. It might just be nice to summarize or have even a number or a reference. I mean, that's very interesting. It's, you're definitely, like you said, helping people kind of work differently and enable to you get the most out of yak you are going to have to take on some of these new methods and styles and and i think that's okay but it certainly puts a lot of pressure on the leadership to constantly follow the protocols or be sort of suggestive or you know uh helpful which is because it always be a challenge on onboarding um, give me one thing as we kind of wrap up here, like, what do you want business owners who might be going remote to know? Yeah. Um, you know, I think one of the biggest things is that with any team, what I found across working multiple companies, multiple startups, multiple size teams, uh, the biggest problem I've always seen has never been skill level. It's always come down to communication. That person didn't do that task wrong because they're stupid or dumb or bad at their job. It, always came down to communication. And one of the things we like to herald a lot is that meetings do not equal communication. Like that's not what communication is. That is a meeting. It's very different. And, you know, we have a lot of stats around meeting culture and things like that, but you know, it's 92 hours a month in meetings and 31 of those are uh, considered unproductive. Uh, and that's just for employees. It's 23 hours a week for uh, managers. 
And it's a lot of time spent not working. And so mm -hmm. the biggest thing that, you know, we can say to team leads is that communication is what ends up, you know, with better results, not adding more meetings, because that means less work is actually getting done. It means the person that, you know, wanted to get off, you know, work at 3 p.m. to pick up their kid from school is now working till 8 p.m. because that's the only time they weren't in meetings and they could actually focus. And so for us, we're trying to build a tool that begets better communication. And we don't think that meetings is the way that that's going to get done. It's more spread out throughout the day, higher bandwidth, one-off communication points versus multiple back-to-back long-form communication. So we think about it in terms of like, you can fit more information in a yak. And at the end of the day, it's actually a shorter amount of time than you would spend typing to each other on a phone call with each other on a Zoom call, especially when you have stuff like, you know, 1.5x speed. One of my favorite things to do in the app is I wait for all of our standups to kind of load up for the day. So instead of listening to them as they come along, I wait for maybe five of them to come in and then I'll go make my lunch, put that play all button, do it at 1.5x speed. And I just get to catch up on my team like a podcast. I could walk around the neighborhood, sit down on the back porch. It's great to disconnect from a screen for a little bit and just kind of listen to everybody talk and really absorb that information. And, you know, that is a different way of communicating, not a different way of meeting. And that's really that kind of thing that we're trying to push into teams is think about how you talk to one another, not how you organize a meeting, you know, no amount of agendas, tools or systems or processes is going to change the fact that you stole an hour of everybody's time, right? So that's really what we're trying to push into the ecosystem is this is a different way of communicating. In my first month of using it, I was able to find a use case to take a one hour meeting for nine people, drop it down to about eight to nine minutes, one minute per person, listen, write it. Everyone just had one minute to share and it took an hour to get organized about that. So I've seen that firsthand. Yeah. Highly recommend Yak, everyone. Yak.com. We had the pleasure of sitting down with Justin Mitchell, founder, CEO of Yak. Uh, where can people reach you, Justin? Anything, final words, just throw it down for us. Yeah, yak.com slash jmitch. Uh, it's the same as my Twitter handle. You can add me immediately on uh, Yak that way. It's a great way to connect with me, ask me questions on Twitter as well, uh, at jmitch. Uh, very happy to chat with anyone. Um, you know, the, the Yak link is a really easy way to try the product out. You kind of sign up and friend me by default. That's a great way to communicate and a great way to ask me questions. I'll put that one down in the description. Uh, make sure you guys give it a shot. I mean, it can be a bit of a newer style, but I found immense benefits from getting involved with this app. I know I'm going to have you back on maybe Hunter as well, maybe 4.0 around that time. We'll see what new features <laughs> yeah. are out. I'd love to dive deeper next time on content creation and how this app isn't just for remote teams. There's some serious auto audio content to be created with this app. We'll jump into that next time, Justin. Thanks so much for being on the channel today. Yeah, thanks so much for having me, dude.